Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. First and Pod, hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filipponi. So you guys know we normally do every team, every week, every game when there are games. And then in this real slow time, we have been calling our friends uh, to come on the show. We've had people that we've worked with and people that we went to school with. And our guest today uh, checks both boxes. He is a year younger than me, so two years younger than Pony. Uh, Also went to Syracuse, worked at the college radio stations with us. Tremendously talented, did overnights at WFAN for a number of years. Now hosts his own podcast on The Ringer called New York, New York. You should subscribe. Uh, SNY in New York and a fellow degenerate. Our guy, JJ, John Jastrzemski. Thank you for joining First in Pod, JJ. How's it going, man? That's a fantastic open, number one, Danny Parkins. Uh, Before we begin, Andrew Filipponi, congratulations. Well-deserved, my man. Very, very happy to hear that. Uh, And number two, this is a tough act to follow, man. I mean, fellow degenerate, getting ready for the NFL season. Dude, with the baseball I've had to watch in New York between the Yankees and the Mets, this football season, dude, cannot get here soon enough. So when you called and said you wanted to chop it up a little bit and talk some NFL – a little glimmer in my eye, a little extra pep in my step, Parkinson. I'm fired up, baby. Let's go. Dude, you and me both uh, with the Cubs and White Sox in my day job with a sprinkling of Northwestern hazing mixed in. So off-season NFL is, uh, is, is a much-needed reprieve right now. All right, so we're going to get to three teams in particular because J.J. is in New York and covers them closely. He has uh, Daniel Jones on his podcast every week, so we'll do some Giants, some Jets. And then he's a diehard Dolphins fan, and then we'll see where else the conversation goes. But Saquon Barkley uh, is in the news. He's publicly talking about his options. JJ, obviously running backs are underpaid, but we get why they are underpaid. What moves on the chessboard do you think are available to Saquon Barkley here? It's a loaded question, Danny. And I understand his frustration because he was terrific for the Giants a year ago. He played really well in big games. He played brilliantly in the playoff win over the Minnesota Vikings. He's in a position, though, where he's a running back. And he's not the only one. I mean, look at what's going on with Austin Eckler and the L.A. Chargers. Look at what's going on with Josh Jacobs and the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, these are guys who had monster seasons as well, and they're having problems getting that long-term commitment. So I know Saquon is salty. I know he is angry, and he's clearly ticked off. He has every right to be. That said, I love what the Giants are doing here because you hit on it. There are certain pieces in the NFL that you go above and beyond to go and pay. 
quarterback is one of those. Offensive tackle is one of those. Cornerback is another. Running back, you run into trouble when you go and give a running back a crazy deal over an extended period of time. Now, I don't think Saquon is pulling a levy on Bell here. I'd be shocked if he sits out the entire season. And I heard Le'Veon Bell come out a few days ago and basically said that was the biggest regret of his career, sitting out that year, leaving the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was out of shape when he came to the New York Jets. And let's be honest, he was never the same guy. I think Saquon has almost got to use that tag as motivation. I know he's not happy about it. It may reach a point of no return between him and the Giants, but Danny, my feeling is if I ran an organization, I'm just not giving big contracts to running backs. That's the way I'd operate. And I obviously agree with you. The thing that I'd be worried about if I was a Giants fan is it seems like we're at a little bit of a tipping point in terms of running backs kind of banding together, being very collectively pissed off about this whole thing and trying to think of like creative workarounds to it. And it's collectively bargained and the franchise tag is what it is. And they're, they passed the extension date, and I understand that. But, like, if I just set the over-under at Saquon Barkley games played this year and it was set at 13 and a half, I think I'd take the under. And it wouldn't be because of a straight holdout. But I'd wonder if, you know what? I'm hurt, but I'm not injured. And normally if I'm hurt... I'd play, but right now, eh, my hammy's a little tight. My foot's a little sore. My shoulder's a little banged up. And on a per game average, I'm going to perform for you. And maybe I'll be sure to be performing at the end of the year, heading into my contract negotiation. But a game here, a game there, September, October, you know what? I'm not going to go all out for you because you're not going all out for me. I think running backs are seeing what their value is and is not. And they're working, they're they're looking for creative workarounds to the problem. That's what would concern me right now if I'm the Giants. That's fascinating. And you might see that in certain situations. The one pushback I'd have though, Danny, it's everything that Saquon Barkley is not. You know what I mean, dude? Like, this is a guy who loves football. He had it taken away from him just a couple of years ago when he blew out his ACL. He came back in 2021, and let's be honest, he was a total shell of the player he was coming back off that injury because his knee wasn't fully repaired and recovered, you know, and making the cuts and having that same sort of burst. I, I just don't see that in Saquon's way. Now, the Giants get off to a rocky start. They're not winning games. They have a tough schedule right out of the gate. Maybe some of that bad blood simmers as the year goes on. But I, I almost feel as in the early going of this year, the coach has a good program in Brian Dable. It seems like it's a good locker room. I don't think you'll see any of that stuff early in the year. I think it's something to watch maybe come November and December if the Giants don't live up to expectations. All right, so I want to throw a few ideas at you because I've been thinking about it. Like, I was like, all right, what's the solve? What's the solve for running backs? Uh, and I said last week, I was like, maybe you do something like where it's like positionless basketball in the NBA where it doesn't really matter if you're a point guard or a small forward or a center. Everybody can shoot threes and it's all kind of interchangeable. Like, maybe you figure out a way to do like positionless football 
in the franchise tag system. And like based on your production, that's how much you get paid. Cause it's not just running backs who are underpaid. Like Travis Kelsey's underpaid, right? He performs like a top 10 receiver, but he gets paid as a tight end. So it's not just running backs. What if for rookies, either one of two options, all rookies coming into the NFL were free agents. So they could sign on an open market. So like Bijan Robinson would not be signing the eighth overall pick slotted contract. He would sign what the open market actually said he was worth. Or you could do like running backs don't get uh, they like a three-year deal instead of a four-year deal for a second round pick or a five-year deal for a first round pick or extra incentives in running back contracts based on performance, like mandatory minimum incentives in rookie contracts. You rush for 750 yards, you get 500,000. You rush for a million uh, or a thousand yards, you get a million bucks. And like work in incentives to try to pay these guys at a younger age because that's actually when their prime is as opposed to the other positions that are much more likely to get second and third contracts. I love that last idea. I think that is fantastic because you nailed it. The running backs' best years are going to be immediately. They're not the sort of guy that's going to get through 9, 10, 11, 12 years, unless your name is Curtis Martin or Jerome Bettis. And I like that from like a 70, 50 yards perspective because you can't even, Danny, look at the old numbers as far as rushing yards are concerned because it feels like every team in the league is rolling out two or three running backs. Like, you go through the rosters in the NFL, it's very rare that you have that that bell cow. Like, Tennessee has Derrick Henry. The Giants have Saquon. Not many teams have that. So I, I like the idea of kind of lowering those thresholds a little bit. And at the same time, you're going to compensate dudes who go and ball out in the first couple of years of their career. So, listen, I'm not working for the NFLPA. We're not negotiating the next collective bargaining agreement. But – Parkinson, who knows? Might have to get you in the room because that sounds like one hell of an idea. I don't know. I've just been just been you know thinking about it. Slow time in sports and it's dominated conversation. So, all right, with the Giants specifically, the national narrative was they overachieved. They were not as good as the playoff appearance. They got lucky, but Brian Dable, a wizard and a quarterback maximizer. That's like the. I watched four or five Giants games over the course of the year and I saw their record and I watched the playoff game. You watched every minute of every game. What were what what's the more granular thing? Like do you do you actually believe that last year was the foundation of something that they are gonna build on, or was it a fluke and they still have problems? So it's a complicated question because I do think last year, Danny, is something they can build upon. But we have to be reasonable about this. The Giants had a very soft schedule last year. And that's something you have to take into account. They had the woeful AFC South. They were able to take care of that division. They played the NFC North. The Packers were a team that was not what they once were. They got the Lions, right? The Lions stuck it to them. They beat Minnesota. Minnesota ended up being quite fraudulent, as we saw come playoff time. And your Chicago Bears are trying to figure out what they're trying to put around Justin Fields. So the Giants won, I believe it was like nine or I think they went nine, seven, and one last year. You think about their schedule, though, they played Dallas twice. They got outclassed by the Cowboys twice. They played the Eagles three times. They did not belong on the same field as the Philadelphia Eagles. That playoff game was such a mismatch. It was over in the first five minutes. And I think what you're going to have here is that the Giants, 
Added to their team, Darren Waller. If he could stay on the field, I think he's going to be really useful for Daniel Jones. They go and draft the speedy receiver, Hyatt, out of Tennessee, who should help. The defense is going to be better. You had a lot of young players on that defense. Remember, last year, they kind of set up their defense to fail. James Bradbury was their best corner. They had to waive him because of the salary cap in June. He goes and signs with Philadelphia. They didn't have an experienced corner outside of Adoree Jackson on the team. Why do I bring all of this up? I think their roster is going to be better this year than it was last year. But you can make the argument, Danny, they're only an eight-win team. Because I think their schedule this year is far more challenging, is far more difficult, and they don't have a whole lot of offensive firepower. You take Saquon out of the mix, I mean, Isaiah Hodgins was their number one wide receiver. I think most of America is like, Isaiah, who? Who's the number one receiver? So they didn't have a whole lot of talent to work with. I think they're more talented. I think they might win less games. All right, last thing, and then we'll get to the Jets. You've had Daniel Jones on your podcast weekly, which is a cool thing. That's that that's just that's an interesting spot to talk to a starting NFL quarterback every week. I don't know anything about Daniel Jones, the person, the guy. Tell me about him. What 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 should I know? You a believer in him long term? Like give, give us give us the insight. I have to be honest about this. They approached us with the idea last year. It's this prove-it year for Daniel Jones. And one of the thoughts, Danny, that went through my head was, honestly, well, what happens if the Giants are 0-5 and he's stinking up the joint and Tyrod Taylor is taking over a quarterback? Like, yeah, that was something we thought about early on in 2022. And he exceeded my expectations every which way on the field. I mean, you look at what he was able to do in growing and developing under Brian Dable, making plays with his legs. His athleticism is really something that won me over last year. And it's why I still think there's kind of untapped potential for what he can be as a quarterback. And I want to see what he's going to look like with better talent around him. Uh, to answer your question about what kind of duty is, he's all ball, man. You know, I he's not going to be a guy that's going to wow you here and be, you know, he likes New York. I, I think he likes the, the vibe. He likes going to the Nick games. He likes going to the concerts. But I think his primary focus is all about football. Like, he is one of these guys that wants to – let's put it this way. There are guys who want to embrace the persona of being, like, the New York Giants quarterback or being the New York Jets quarterback and being, like, Broadway and, like, being everywhere where you feel their presence. I think Jones likes the idea of laying low. I think he took a lot of what Eli Manning taught him as far as how to be a professional – and how to deal with the media. A lot of, a lot of similarities, Danny, without the, the all shucks. When I talk to Daniel Jones and I think about the 10 plus years Eli Manning spent this giant quarterback, like their personalities and some, Eli's probably funnier, but like they do have that sort of demeanor to them where they know how to answer a question, but they also know that they're not going to expose everything that's going on within their room and their culture and whatnot. And he's all ball. That's that's what I would tell anybody about Daniel Jones. He's a great guy. You want to root for him. He's very likable, but it's all ball with Daniel Jones.